Chapter One of the Dawn of Medieval Europe, four seventy six to nine eighteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Dawn of Medieval Europe, four seventy six to nine eighteen, by J. H. B. Masterman. Chapter One introduction the period that we call the middle ages extends from the break-up of the roman empire in the west in the fifth century to the renaissance in the fifteenth a period of about a thousand years the night of this great day of human history may be said to last through the first three hundred years four fifty to seven fifty and the early dawn begins with the events that led to the establishment of the empire of charles the great the eleventh and twelfth centuries are the morning and the thirteenth the high noon from which it declines to the afternoon of the fourteenth century and the evening of the fifteenth the europe of the fifth century was dominated by two influences the influence of roman imperialism and that of the christian church though the empire fell to pieces in the west it lived on in the east gradually changing its character but retaining in its laws and ideals of government the tradition of the imperial organization that augustus had founded and diocletian remodelled on a more despotic basis it is a great mistake to underestimate the influence of the eastern empire on western europe constantinople was not only the frontier fortress of europe and the east it was also the home of roman law and of a civilization that had become greek in its outer dress but remained largely roman in its inner character but the inheritance of rome passed on to the new world through two other channels the teutonic peoples who poured into the almost depopulated provinces of the west came under the spell of rome they marched along the roads that rome had made they passed as friends or foes by cities that rome had built the ambition of their greatest leaders of men like alaric or theodoric was not to destroy but to rebuild the roman world of ordered rule and equal justice in gaul and in italy the language and ideas of rome turned the frank and lombard conquerors into frenchmen and italians meanwhile imperial rome became papal rome when the long centuries of contest between the church and the empire closed with the accession of constantine the result was not only that the empire became christian but also that the church became imperial soon after the transference of the imperial court to constantinople left the bishop of rome incomparably the greatest figure in the city by the tiber and as christianity spread through western europe the authority of the roman see grew constantly wider so when the bond of a common political organization no longer held western europe together the bond of a common religious organization began to take its place as inheritor of the imperial tradition the papacy became not only a religious but also a political power the claims of the roman see were at first resented by the teutonic peoples who had adopted the arian form of christianity from the earliest missionaries who had laboured among them but the conversion of clovis to catholic christianity in four ninety six 
marked the beginning of the extension of papal authority over the Teutonic tribes, and the labours of Augustine and his successors in England in the seventh century, and of the great missionary archbishop Boniface in Germany in the eighth, ensured the supremacy of the Pope in the West. Of the Teutonic peoples that remained Arian, the Ostrogoths vanished from history, and the Vandals and Visigoths fell under the sway of the Moslems, the latter soon after they had abandoned the Arian for the Catholic creed. In the East, the claims of the papacy were resisted, not only by the Patriarch of Constantinople, who as Bishop of New Rome claimed to be the equal of the Bishop of Old Rome, but also by the emperors, who asserted their right to exercise over the Church the same autocratic authority that they exercised over the state. The Eastern and Western churches drifted apart, and before the end of the ninth century the separation was almost complete. The Teutonic invaders brought their own contribution to the life of the Middle Ages. The idea of personal liberty that appears in early Teutonic law, the practice of commendation, and the authority of the chief over his comites, the institutions of elective monarchy, and the assemblies of free warriors, exercised a profound influence over the new world that was shaping itself out of the fragments of the old. The reign of Theodoric was the first attempt to harmonize the old and the new, to blend the Roman ideals of order and civilitas with the Teutonic spirit of freedom. The Arianism of the Goths and the opposition of a party among the Roman nobles made the task a difficult one, and with the death of Theodoric and the revival of the empire under Justinian, the Gothic kingdom crumbled away. But the empire, confronted by new dangers in the east, first from the aggressions of the Persian kings, and then from the rise of Mohammedanism, could not keep what it had won. Thirteen years before Heraclius rose to save the empire, the Lombards had inherited the lands that the Goths had abandoned. The Lombards contented to rule and extend their territories without any effort to assimilate the native population, remained an aristocracy of nobles settled among a subject people. If the Lombard kings could have conquered Rome as they conquered Ravenna, they might have been able to build up an Italian kingdom through the fusion of Roman and Teutonic institutions and ideas. But the Lombards produced no great leader with enough of the statesmen in him to attempt the task in which Theodoric had failed. Perhaps in any case it would have proved impossible, for by the middle of the eighth century Italy was no longer free to shape her own destiny to supremacy. The central fact of the eighth century was the rise of the Franks in Western Europe under the great mayors of the palace. The victory of Charles Martel at Poitiers in 732 rescued the West from the danger of Moslem rule, and the alliance of King Pippin with the Pope in 752 associated the fortunes of the Teutonic world of the North with those of Rome. The Rhine and the Tiber were linked together, and the Rhone and the Po passed under their sway. At last, just as the eighth century ended, the three influences that had been making the new Europe converged, when Charles the Great, as Emperor of the West, became representative in his own person of the union of Roman ecclesiastical and Teutonic ideas. 
the coronation of charles was the recognition of the fact that the same man was now the head of the christian church the inheritor of the roman imperial dignity and the master of the teutonic world but the empire of charles the great had in it the seeds of dissolution its strength lay in its teutonic military organization and as this was founded on the idea of personal service it broke down with the revival of local feeling it had the unity of a common ecclesiastical organization but the attempt to establish a common administrative system failed through the tribal and local antagonisms that awoke as soon as the great emperor was dead the frankish judicial system by which every man was judged by the law of his own nation prevented the development of a common code of law for the empire for a time in the middle of the tenth century the holy roman empire of otho the great seemed destined to realize part at least of the ideal of the carolingian empire but the long struggles of the papacy with the empire and the resistance of the feudal nobility to the autocratic claims of the kings supported by roman civil law ended at last in the disintegration of the medieval world but it was not only from within that the empire of charles was weakened enemies from without beset it on every side northmen madiar saracens fell upon it with eager ferocity and in the ninth century as in the sixth the teutonic system of equal division of inheritance proved fatal to all hope of united resistance but the partitions of the ninth century differ from those of the sixth in this that they represent lines of division destined to become permanent the romanized west was severed from the more german east italy fell away from the north aquitaine and burgundy became for a time partly or wholly independent the ninth century was a period of confusion and of immeasurable suffering but through the anarchy of the time the political life of europe began to shape itself into the form that it was destined to retain to the end of the middle ages serfdom superseded the older relation of the free villagers to their overlord the military system of europe began to be territorial instead of personal great fiefs grew under dukes and counts almost entirely independent of royal authority and feudal castles rose on every hill on the banks of the rhine and the seine in this rough age the church was obliged to fight for its own possessions and privileges while its political power increased its religious enthusiasm declined learning was kept alive but could make no progress in days of distraction and danger the religion of the people was strangely compounded of superstition and fear as the century drew near its end the clouds began to lift the byzantine empire weathered the storm of moslem attack with narrowed frontiers hemmed in by slavs and saracens it lived on as a civilizing power in the east in the west also the tide of saracen conquest began to turn and southern italy and northern spain were recovered from their rule the northmen established in the north of england and in the valley of the seine were no longer mere agents of destruction a little later they began to rebuild the churches that they had destroyed and re-establish the order that they had disturbed along the eastern frontiers of the empire 
the raids of the Magyars began to be checked. In 918, the election of Henry, Duke of Saxony, to the throne of Germany, brought the period of disintegration in Central Europe to an end, while the rise of the family of Robert the Strong to power in West Francia gave promise of the development of a new France, with Paris as its capital. Another century was destined to pass before the forces of disorder and disintegration were for a time worsted, but by the opening of the tenth century the old Europe, the Europe of Zeno and Theodoric and Clovis, had dissolved, and the new Europe, the Europe of Otho the Great and Hildebrand and Barbarossa, had begun. End of chapter 1